0: You're listening to Storytime for Travellers, where adventurers share their craziest travel moments. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm super excited about our guest on this episode. This woman is such an inspiration and has some of the best stories from her travels. It's the lovely Katie Johnson. Katie is a model, actress, and the founder of her non-profit organisation, One Model Mission. She's visiting every country in the world, that's 196 countries, interviewing women of all cultures and redefining the perception of true beauty. Her aim is to highlight the misconceptions of beauty around the world and create a documentary series showcasing the struggles of being a woman in different societies. She's currently on country number 72 and has already interviewed 57 amazing women. Katie grew up in a small town in Iowa in the US. She didn't get the opportunity to travel much in her childhood and went through struggles with depression and anorexia in her teenage years. Body image, particularly in the entertainment industry in Hollywood, is still something that she struggles with. But these challenges have been the fuel to her fire for her to strive for women's equality and empowerment. Katie's first taste of travel was when she moved to South Africa in 2011 to film Clifton Shores. She then moved to Scotland, France, England and Portugal. And through her project, One Model Mission, she hopes to combine her passion for travel with her purpose to find true beauty in women around the world and learn what beauty means to them in different cultures and societies in our conversation we chat getting locked in a mosque in bosnia being rescued after blowing two tires by a family in tbilisi and getting picked up while hitchhiking by the winner of the voice in kazakhstan plus loads more i hope you enjoy our conversation So I'm on the line today with the lovely Katie Johnson. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm honored. Thank you.
0: And you're calling from LA, which is like three in the morning. So if that's not dedication to the podcast, I don't
1: know what is. So we're so grateful to have you here. Oh, no, thank you. I'm such a night owl anyway. So I mean, I would probably be up anyways. So it worked out.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so I want to ask you, out of all of the women around the world that you've interviewed for the project you're doing, is there kind of one person that stands out who was particularly inspiring or had a great story?
1: Oh my gosh. That's so hard because all the girls were so unique in so many ways. And I felt like so many of them had went through so much, but I would say one of my favorite interviews was probably a girl named Christina in Skopje, Macedonia. Um, and she had went through so much, um, you know, kind of growing up, she had no money. Um, her parents, her father was very abusive to her mother and, you know, kind of in the Balkan region, it's, you know, the women put up with a lot of stuff from their husbands and divorce isn't really like an option for them. So, um, you know, she was subjected to a lot of abuse, a lot of violence growing up. And finally the mother left the husband, but then the mother's parents, um, actually turned on them as well. And her dad threatened to kill them and they had to go into hiding. And it was just, yeah, it was a really crazy story. And she, you know, I mean, she's okay now. She's doing great. But for a long time, she was always scared. She was paranoid. She was depressed. You know, she didn't have her father in her life. She didn't have her grand, her well either of her grandparents even her maternal grandfather or grandmother so she really only had her mom and they really struggled and and now she's like really successful and she works at this marketing company and yeah she was just I don't know she has such a good head on her shoulders and really just there was something about her that I just really loved.
0: Yeah no you must have been so kind of hard to hear her story but also so interesting that you actually get to speak to these these people who've been through so much and tell their stories and see that they've come out the other side which is so inspiring
1: absolutely yeah I mean it's really incredible and I you know when I started this project I kind of knew that there were going to be girls that you know have been through tough tough times they have you know They've been through different things, but I could not believe how almost every girl that I interviewed, I've interviewed about 57 girls so far from 57 different countries, and I would say 50 of those 57 have had some type of eating disorder in their life, which was very eye opening to me, because I know that women, you know, we, we struggle with our weight, we want to be thin, there's so much pressure in society to be a certain size. But to know that that many women at some point have compromised their health, um, you know, to fit these beauty standards, it just really broke my heart. So
0: yeah, particularly because it's women from all over the world. So we kind of we, we see it at home, and we've all got this kind of we know it's going on and we know the pressures that we feel as women in our countries but highlighting the fact that women in all of these different countries are facing the same problems when it comes to beauty and beauty standards um that's Absolutely. kind of that's what your project's all about isn't it kind of highlighting yeah. highlighting that yeah um yeah. so in all of your trips talking of people you must have met some amazing people along the way as you you often travel solo um yeah. has there been a time when you've had to rely on the kindness of strangers or someone helping you out on the way.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So I actually I mean I've dealt with kindness all over the world. I really I could probably tell you a, a kindness story from every country I've been, but two that really stand out is um so my first ever international trip I was um I was 19 at the time and I went to Mexico with a boy and I was very naive back then and I didn't realize that if a boy takes you on a trip, it's kind of one of those things like you're kind of expected to do certain things, right? Like, you know, and I thought this boy just was my friend and he just liked me and, you know, it was. So anyways, long story short, we go on this trip together and he tries it on with me and I am I reject him. And he got very angry and he basically like threw me out of the hotel. Oh, my God. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? Because I didn't have any money, you know, yeah. I like and I was like a broke college student. So he was like, just figure it out. I don't know. And and so and he like made this whole scene. I mean, there was alcohol involved. it was horrible. It was so crazy. So the hotel like gave me an extra room. And let me sleep over but they were like, you have to go in the morning. So the next morning, I get a taxi, I barely have any money in my bank account, but I get a taxi to the airport. And like my parents, I don't I can't even remember if I had told my parents I was going, or but I got to the airport. And I just sat down on my suitcase and I started crying. And I'm just like, I have no idea how I'm going to get home because I got online and flights were like $1,000 home. And again, being a broke college student. And so I think I called my parents and they were really angry with me and they're like, We better figure it out. And um, so I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. So I was just sitting there crying and this man came up to me. He was probably in his late 40s, early 50s, and he goes, you know, hi, like, are you okay? And, you know, I kind of told him the story, and he was like, yeah, I have a daughter your age. And he and I was like, okay. And he's like, you know what? Get up, come with me. And he gets on his phone and he calls his assistant. And he's like, hi, you know, Teresa, um, can you book? What's your name? I'm like, oh, Katie Johnson. He's like, can you book Katie Johnson a plane ticket to? He's like, where are you going? I'm like, Des Moines, Iowa, which is like the middle of nowhere, kind of. He was like, "Um, can you book her to Des Moines, Iowa for right now? (laughs) Like the next flight out of Cabo. I was in Cabo San Lucas. And so long story short, he paid for my, it was like a $900 ticket. And he just met me and I was so thankful. And he was like, look, I have a daughter your age. I would be terrified if my daughter was stuck in Mexico and like a boy had left her there. You know, just get home safe and like never go on a trip with a guy again. Like know that, you know, that's what's expected. And I'm like, OK, so wow, that was incredible. that was really yeah. special. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And the so, kindness, kindness of strangers, I think, often when you're on your own traveling and again, it's, it's, it's sad, but it's often in like difficult situations when things go wrong. People are so like the people that you meet, lots of people are so genuinely like they will help you. So I think yeah. traveling also kind of teaches you to ask for help as well. Um, no, absolutely. But yeah, no, that's a that's crazy absolutely. example and such a difficult situation for you to be in. But amazing that he helped you out and got you home. Um, I also yeah. wanted to ask about any weird experiences. So something that happened on a trip that you didn't expect to happen.
1: When I was in Kazakhstan, um, I went for Thanksgiving. It was really weird because in America, Thanksgiving is a big deal and people were like, oh, are you going home for Thanksgiving? I'm like, nah, I'm going to Kazakhstan. <laughs> um, <laughs> so very random. But I went there and I saw, while I was there, I saw everyone hitchhiking. Like there was just people in the road all the time hitchhiking. So I asked somebody and they were like, oh no, it's normal. It's safe. People literally hitchhike to work every day. And So, I'm like, okay. So, anyways, I go, I take an Uber to this famous um, like sledding hill or ski hill. And then by the time I get up there, I can't get an Uber down because I had no reception. And Ubers apparently don't go all the way up there. So, even though one had dropped me off. um, So, I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? It's getting dark. So, I just start walking down the hill and I'm thinking, well, hopefully, you know, I get back before it gets like too dark. And this um, Range Rover pulls over with these three guys and one of them could speak a bit of English and they were like, oh, because I just started hitchhiking. I put my thumb out. I'm like, oh, let's just try it. And like, if they look sketchy, (laughs) I won't get in. Yeah, I thought, well, if they look sketchy, I won't get in. But, you know, we'll see. So, yeah, the Range Rover pulled over. The guy was like, hey, you know, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I'm staying at the Ritz-Carlton. And, you know, they seemed normal. They were snowboarders that had just gotten done snowboarding. And. I don't know. I just took the risk because I just felt like I don't know. I trust my gut a lot yeah, it's with the things. Gut feelings, so, yeah, the feeling. So, yeah, so like I got in and it ended up the driver who could speak the English, he had won the vo- like Kazakhstan's version of like The Voice what? or like one of those shows. So it was so random because and then I like looked him up and he was like famous in Kazakhstan That's and I'm so just like, cool. "Oh my god. <laughs> what are the odds of that?" Yeah. So you
0: literally got in a
1: car with random people and it ended up being someone famous in Kaz- Kazakhstan. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. Like truly, what are the odds? Like my one experience hitchhiking and it's a nice person, it's not a psychopath <laughs> and it's like a famous person that I think like he everyone loved him when he won that show. So, he had a good voice, I guess
0: that's really cool that's just like a bucket well it's like a bucket list thing that should not be like no one would know that's on your bucket list but now you can write it on and tick it off (laughs) that's what I always do definitely Um, so So funny on the Storytime for Travellers podcast we ask every one of our guests to tell us about a pinch me moment in one of their trips so this is a moment where you look around and just think wow I can't believe that I'm seeing this so can you share a pinch me moment from one of your trips
1: Gosh, it's tough because, yeah, I've had so many and so many are so special and unique in their own ways. But I would say one for me was probably my first solo trip. Um, I went to... Thailand I went to Chiang Mai and I was at this temple and everything was made of gold and I had never really been to well I hadn't been to Asia before and I hadn't been to a temple before and you know how grand they are and they're all made of gold and they're just really beautiful and um And I was just kind of looking at that thinking, holy cow, I I came on this trip by myself. It's my first time, like, you know, really just going far. Like when I got to Thailand, I had no plan. I was just on my own. So um, it was just one of those moments. I thought, wow, I've really done this. I've really embarked on my own journey and I'm by myself and I'm seeing these like amazing sights." And um, yeah, it was just like a really special moment
0: yeah no definitely I think the the first time you do a solo solo trip for everyone that's kind of it's a really important moment in your life because you realize like I got myself here I'm capable I can do this and that's what solo travel does for people um so yeah no I I had the same experience on my first solo trip I went to Australia the first time I went away by myself and Yeah, I had the same experience where I was like, I can't believe that I've done this. This is really, like, (laughs) I feel proud of myself. This is amazing. Totally. Um, Yeah, but you've you've done so much since and you've been to so many amazing countries. What's kind of the weirdest, most out there country that you've been to, do you think?
1: Or weirdest place Uh, in a country? (laughs) Yeah. um, I would say... Maybe Macedonia, like, Skopje is a little bit weird because it's quite a poor country. Um, it's in the Balkans. But um, in in the capital, they have all these luxurious, crazy gold statues um, everywhere, like, these huge monuments and statues. It almost looks like a, a mix between, like, a mini Las Vegas and, like, a mini... Um, like like Greece or Rome like there's like Roman structures and it's just so over the top and it's really quiet so you're kind of like wait a minute why is why does it look like this <laughs> appar- apparently like the government had spent a lot of money um, you know making the capital you know look really beautiful and grand to bring tourism but it just looks a bit weird because there is so much poverty there I don't know it just that was a little bit out there I'd say.
0: Yeah that sounds really interesting Um, Yeah. and is there a time that stands out for you where you really got to like experience and immerse yourself in a local culture?
1: Um, Yeah so this kind of ties back with one of my um, kind of kindness stories. I was in Georgia the country um, in Tbilisi and I was with So I have a friend in LA, her, all of her family's Georgian. So I was with her cousin and we were going out to a vineyard and we blew two tires on the way. So we were like an hour outside of Tbilisi. It was dark. We had no, you know, we were kind of stuck. So we thought, okay, well we have to hitchhike. And so we, tried to hitchhike, didn't really get picked up for a little bit. And then finally, a a man and his pregnant daughter pulled over and picked us up and took us back to their house in their tiny village. And, you know, we told them what had happened and and we called the tow truck and, you know, it was going to be a little bit. So they made us dinner and we drank. So everything that we had for dinner, like they – either grew in their garden they caught the fish wow, um they yeah. they make their own red wine and like somewhere in their yard um so we were like drinking this red wine and Georgians like when they I mean they drink like you think Irish people and like Brits can drink like Georgians can drink <laughs> and 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 when you cheers like when you do a toast and you cheers you have to drink the entire glass oh my gosh so <laughs> like home, I, homemade wine <laughs> Yeah, it was like red wine, you you toast, and then you have to drink the whole thing because it's the blood of Christ. So, it's like a tradition. Otherwise, it's like seen as a little bit like disrespectful to not finish the glass. So, they kept doing – I mean, they do a toast literally every, every time you drink. They're doing a <laughs> toast. So, I got so drunk, and I ate all this like great Georgian food, and none of them could really speak English, but yeah. I had – my friend who was kind of translating and it was just really cool because, you know, I was in this Georgian home. It was very small. It was decorated, you know, very authentically Georgian. And it was such a beautiful experience. And I remember I started crying because the hospitality, I had just never had somebody be so kind. And, and the, the father had, you know, when he did a toast, he said, I hope my – grand. so his daughter was pregnant with a little girl. He said, I hope that my granddaughter that is going to be born next month, I hope she's as beautiful and kind as you. Oh, And that's I just so thought magical. that was, like, so, so sweet. Magical. Yeah, it was so sweet. And he was like, you know, it was fate that you blew the tires because we got to all meet and we've become friends and we'll have this memory forever. And it was just really special, like, really special, so –
0: yeah. Yeah. Such a special experience, and such an unexpected experience as well. Because those things yeah. you just can't plan, can you? Like the the real magical experiences, you can't plan. They're always kind of spontaneous yes, situations yep, like that. Yeah. For that the moment. Just sounds amazing. Now, as much as I don't want to turn us onto a negative note, I wanted to ask you yeah. about any scary situations that you faced along the way in all of your travels.
1: Um, yeah. So. I've had two times where I was followed. Um, Once in Azerbaijan, I was by myself, and a man approached me and asked to take a photo of me. Now, this doesn't really worry me because I've been to a lot of countries where you know they don't really see blonde hair, long blonde hair and blue eyes. So I thought, okay, no problem. Then he kept taking photos, and then he wanted to take selfies. Okay, no problem. But then it kind of got... A little bit aggressive and almost like it just didn't feel good anymore so I kind of was like okay yeah no more pictures and so I kind of started walking away and he would follow me and then I'd walk to the other side of the park and this was in the day mm. and um and I thought maybe I'm being paranoid maybe he's not following me so I was like purposely kind of walking in a little bit of an erratic way just to see if he would follow. And of course he did. And I just thought, okay, this guy is actually following me. So I started walking back to my hotel. And again, he starts walking back in my direction as well. So I actually got my phone and I started videoing with him behind. I was like selfie mode with him behind me. And I'm like, listen, I'm in Azerbaijan. I'm in Baku. I'm walking back to the Fairmont. If I get taken. This is the guy. He's around five foot eight. He looks Eastern European, maybe Ukrainian. He's been asking me to take photos on a phone from, you know, 1999, a burner phone. I don't know. I was making assumptions a little bit, but it just got really creepy. And so I just ended up running back to my hotel and, um, and I didn't see him again, which, which was good. And then another time, similar situation. I was walking around Prague, um, at night and I noticed a man, kept following me again so I ran to my hotel and and at that point I was staying in kind of a smaller boutique hotel and I had a window that faced the street and I kept stopping again on the way like thinking I'd go into a convenience store maybe grab something I'd come out and he would kind of stop behind me as well so I'm like okay this guy's definitely following me and he had asked me previously he he was like oh are you Russian and I just shook my head and walked away and so anyways, I go up into my room and I look out my hotel window and he is down there looking up at the hotel windows. And I'm oh, just like, so oh my weird. gosh, he was so definitely weird. following me. But then I just, you know, I left it. I was fine. I was safe in my hotel room. So that's really the only thing that I've ever had is um, is probably, you know, being followed. Except for, I guess, I was in Rio just a few months ago and I got an Uber I was coming down from Christ Redeemer and I got an Uber and um, for some reason, like the Uber driver kind of took me a weird way. I think maybe it was one of those, like, I'm going to take the longer route to like make Uh, more money. Yeah, make the meter go. But he like took me like to these favelas and I started panicking because I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, this is like what, like this is. A bad situation I'm seeing all these people outside these favelas and like so much poverty and I started to really panic and I was like sending my boyfriend my location and and then I'm like yelling at the driver like where are you taking me and really that was probably the most panic I've ever been in all my travels but it was an honest kind of mess up because I looked at the uber and he was trying to get back on the road going down. He did just kind of take a longer route, but he wasn't actually taking me to the favelas. Yeah, it just happened scary. to me that they were yeah, there. It's so yeah, scary it was too. scary. because it was scary because I was so close to them and like seeing them firsthand and knowing how much crime goes on there. And because, yeah. you know, I am a, a blonde, a, you know, a blonde American girl with, and I mean, I don't dress, you know, I, I'm very smart when I travel, but still I, I did really get kind of worried but it was all good
0: yeah no that's that's definitely i would be terrified in that situation yeah Yeah. because that's kind of like the first rule when you go to rio is like just don't venture anywhere near the favelas (sighs) exactly so being taken there in an uber yeah that's that's definitely scary um in terms of the project that you're doing one model mission um yeah and visiting every country in the world what's been
1: some challenges that you faced in that project um well I mean I'd say the huge one is financing but um, (laughs) uh but obviously that's kind of I, I mean I'm working on getting my you know trailer together for investors but no I would say um just kind of planning the more dangerous countries um it's very expensive when you have to go somewhere like Yemen or Somalia and you need security. I mean, it's vital. And, um, you know, security can be $1,000 a day sometimes. And it's like, you know, that's, it's it's way over budget. So I would say kind of planning that. And then also, you know, I was planning my leg through the Middle East and that was, I think in that route, it was like 20-some countries. It was my shortest route, and it was only like a month. It was only meant to be like a month and a half, but that was like Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq, Iran, you know, kind of the really difficult countries. And trying to plan that, I I started getting really bad anxiety, and I started having nightmares And it was just really weird how my mind, because I'm not really a scared traveler. I'm not somebody that really lives in panic. I don't kind of listen to the media and the sensationalism of stuff like that. But I really started to get scared. And so I think like the planning and like, you know, really just having all your ducks in a row to know that you will be safe, because it's always a risk when you're going into countries where, you know, the government's unstable and where there are terror groups, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah, lo- yeah, the kind of logistics behind it as well, I guess, of, of getting it all organized. But it's amazing what you're doing. Now, we don't have much time, but I want to ask you one more question. So do you have yeah. any stories about kind of funny moments or surreal experiences when you've just been like, well, what is this? Like, where am I? Like, how am I in this situation? Kind of surreal things that have happened.
1: So I would say uh, surreal travel story um, for me or a moment where I'm like, how am I in this situation? Um, So I was in Bosnia and I wanted to go into this Turkish mosque because apparently at the top of the mosque, you get the best sunset views. So I was rushing there to get there for sunset and before the mosque closed. So I ran up, I see the guy giving out tickets and he's like, oh, you have to wait for the people. Like it's one in one out. And I'm like, please just let me go up. Like, I'm going to be really quick. I don't want to miss the pictures of the sunset. So he was like, okay, fine, just go up and you can pay when you come down. So typically how it works, and this is what I found out after, is you pay at the beginning and then you get a ticket. He gives you a ticket and he keeps the ticket. That's how he keeps track of how many people are inside the mosque. He didn't give me a ticket because he said, okay, just, you know, it was all rushed. So he's like, okay, just go up and you can pay when you come down. So I go up to the top um, and I'm just up there chilling, eating Turkish delight, uh, taking great photos and, you know, everyone's kind of going down slowly and I'm just enjoying it. I'm like, this is amazing. I was in Mostar, Bosnia, such a picturesque little town. And um, and all of a sudden I see kind of the lights go off in the stairwell down. Now I think, okay, maybe this is just um, automatic lights. So I wait a little bit longer, a little bit longer. I'm with my girlfriend. So at least I wasn't alone. My girlfriend Ashley was with me. And you know, we stay up like 20 more minutes and then we start to go down and it's pitch black in the stairwell. There's birds, there's pigeons. And I'm like, babe, this is weird. Like, it's so dark. And she was like, oh, it's fine. And so we were using our iPhone flashlights to see. And, you know, those are like spirals, really narrow spiral staircases down the, you know, the long towers. So we get to the middle room. All the lights are off. So I'm like, babe, I, I think we're locked in. She's like, no, no, it's fine. We're not. We're not. And then I'm like, no, we are. So I start going down the staircase and I'm just thinking, please be wrong, Katie, please be wrong, please not be not locked in. So I get down to the bottom. Sure enough, the door is chained, like shut. All the windows are shut and locked. (laughs) The mosque is closed, it's nighttime. And I'm just like, oh my God. And I start to really panic. I had all these things going through my head and, and then prayer time was happening. And no one was there praying at first because I I guess people don't really use that mosque to pray so I'm like oh my gosh Ashley we're going to be stuck in here all night I had to pee I was hungry I was thinking I can't pee inside of a mosque that'd be so disrespectful but I'm about to pee my pants and I'm freezing and I don't have enough I can only have a little bit of a water bottle I'm just totally freaking out and anyways a lady comes over and starts praying halfway through and so we're like screaming out the window like help us we're stuck we're stuck and you know she can't speak english so she goes and finds somebody and they come and they're like oh you're you're locked in we're like yeah we're locked in please like go find you know the person that it, it was like a long process of like we have to get this person and they have to get this person and it was such a crazy experience because I was just <laughs> thinking, "Oh my gosh, am I in Bosnia right now, locked in a Turkish mosque? That's crazy. Like, is this, is this happening to me?" And <laughs> anyways, um, I mean, we were fine. They they had found the guy at another mosque. He was praying, so they had to interrupt his prayer time, and he brought the keys and. Um, yeah he unlocked the door and freed us after like an hour oh, but i gosh. actually have all the footage yeah of it because because i film i was like well my phone was dead but i had my you know my dslr so i thought well you know what i'm just gonna film this because this is gonna make great footage one yeah day.
0: definitely that's so, oh god that's such a crazy thing to happen yeah great
1: story yeah. <laughs> great story yeah uh, we've absolutely. run out of
0: time unfortunately katie but it's been so great no, to no have worries. you on the podcast and your of stories course. are amazing <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for asking me. I really appreciate it. I'm honored and um, I can't wait to hear it.
0: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Katie. You can find her on Instagram at I am Katie Johnson and at OneModelMission. You can also find out more information about her project at OneModelMission.com. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Storytime for Travellers. I can't wait to speak to you again on the next episode.